It's Wednesday and it's gloomy. The weather's changing and falls on the way, and it's it's the message from nature that tops the growing older and eventual procession to death. <laughs> Are you happy? <laughs> But you know what? We serve a supernatural God. And we're not going to even be touched by the stinking, dirty, filthy fingers of death. Not even touched. It has no power over us whatsoever. So we're going to act like it's sunshine and roses outside right now. Okay? And we're going to thank God for everything that He's done for us. Because that's who we are. It might not be everybody, but that's who we are. Now, if you've ever doubted the supernatural at all. You ought to try to preach a sermon sometime because uh, it, it's like some, some great epic story, you know, where a couple of days beforehand, all of the darkness of hell comes out and creeps around you and tries to press you from every side, tries to break your spirit, tries to run down your mood, tries to make you afraid, kill your faith, anything it can do. And God will let, he'll stand back and watch for a little while. And when you call on his name, then he comes in and one little glimmer of light will just spread the whole thing away. He just parts the waters of doubt and frustration and, and anguish. And he just pushes it aside and then he supernaturally gives you a message for his sheep who he loves. And that never ceases to amaze me. I was preaching a wedding here not long ago and I didn't bring my glasses. And I got out here and looked down and I could not see the vows. And so I had to slow down really, really, really slow to try to pull them out of this crank, this rusty old memory of mine. And uh, it was extremely hard, so I've got them tonight. <laughs> we're going to wear the devil out. He tried to get us on that, but we're going to wear him out. If you will, turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. Ezekiel 36, 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn. And increase it, and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree, and the increase of the field, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. You know, in a time of a famine of the word, it's good to be in the storehouse, isn't it? Where we hear the fresh word every time we come. We're so blessed. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe 
yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, these are your sheep. Lord, I love them, but you love them so much more. And Lord, I need you to come on the scene and just push me out of the way and speak to your children, Father, because I can do them no good. I repeat this over and over again, but I can do them no good. If you don't come on the scene, we are already messed up. We're already lost. For tonight, it will be just a wash. But Lord, if you'll come on the scene, you can speak to your children in spite of the flesh of West Willis. You can set me aside and you can speak to the hearts of your children. And when you speak to the hearts of your children, Lord, things change. Revelation abounds and people come in and they get something that maybe they didn't even, ex didn't even expect in their wildest imaginations. Father, we trust you to do this and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, saints. Thank you. I'm glad you got that. I started getting caught in the mouth. You know, uh, I'm going to read you a quote. There was a Mr. Eisler was talking to uh, Brother Branham. He said, Billy, I want to ask you something. He said, what does Christ mean to you now? What does Christ mean to you now? And I said, He's my life, my all. He's all that I have, Mr. Eisler. He's my, my ultimate. He's all that I can hold to. Why? There, has, there's, there, there had been something happen upon this rock. He said, I've seen you stand here on the corner and preach till you look like you was going to drop dead. I've seen you all hours of the night up and down the streets making sick calls. And after he took your own wife and your own baby, you still serve him? I said, if he slay me, yet I trust him. Why? My anchor holds within the veil. I had an absolute. I tied myself to his word and his word was holding. He is my absolute. I found out that all these other things may fail, but Christ can never fail. I'm going to go up and read a, a verse in Acts. Acts chapter 20. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This is Paul speaking. He knows that his time is up. He knows that this is the last time he will ever see these people he's preaching to. He knows that he's on his way to be beheaded. And yet he counts his life of no value except for the service that he's given the Lord Jesus. You know, there's a big deficit today in, in what our young people know and believe and understand and what our older generations know and believe and understand. There's a huge deficit. And it's going, by and large, unnoticed by many. But it, it, it stares me in the face all the time. There's so much doubt concerning Brother Branham and who he was. There's so much doubt concerning the ministry and who they are that's out there circling around trying to pick off our young people. 
There's so many things out there that are trying to lead them astray, trying to darken their path, trying to cause doubt and confusion and frustration. And because sometimes the pet doctrines of men get in the way, it just frustrates them. It hurts them. It slows them down. They'll come in and, and, and they'll ask me from time to time, you know, you know, they'll be like, is all this stuff that Brother Donnie's preaching about, is it really going on out there? And it's so discouraging. It's so discouraging because it makes them feel like we look so sick, so demented, so like just mindless cult members. And it, it embarrasses them when, when this happens. It works on them at all times. And, and you may think it's not affecting your children, but I promise you, they hear the whispers and they feel it. And it hurts their faith. It bothers them. It really bothers them. And so, you know, the bulk of my ministry that the Lord has called me in has, has been to young people. You know, we were reading there in uh, Ezekiel. And he says uh, in verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. Now, anybody that's experienced this ha has found true peace and happiness for the first time probably in their life. Has anybody ever come to this point in their life where they feel like God just changed your heart? You had a new spirit. You looked at everything in a different way. Raise your hands. Be a witness. You know, he said, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. Be a witness. Let your children know. You say, well, Brother Wes, I make all my mistakes at home. Yeah, I do too. I know what that's like. I know exactly what that's like. You know, I come here and you all think Brother Wes is so wonderful. But Brother Wes is just like you. <laughs> I have my failures too and I have my weak moments too. When that darkness came on me yesterday, I wasn't any fun to be around. Everybody wanted to be somewhere else. And uh, that's just the way it is. You know, when you're fighting a battle, it's not always, you know, daisies and flowers. It's, sometimes it's rough. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to fight your way through. You have to pray your way through. And then you've got all the things of the world that come against you. All the things, you know, the sickness, the death, the family situations, the frustrations, the things at work. All of these things are coming against you at all times. And it tries to darken your spirit. It tries to drive you down. It tries to make you feel like, what's the point? I'd rather, you know, a lot of times you're tempted to just sit at home and stream because you're just so wore out with this world. And, and we come to a point where if we get into a rut, anybody ever been in a rut? I've been in a rut before. It doesn't matter who you get in a rut with. You get in a rut with one of your friends. You get in a rut with your wife, your family members. You get in a rut, in a rut with the sheep. It doesn't matter. If you get into a rut and you just have been going along on cruise control, not doing anything bad, but not, not seeking the Lord's will, not finding your spot, not finding your position, not having your safety off in your sight in front of your eye. You just start to kind of dwindle a little bit. You just feel like the, the, sails, the wind's not in your sails like it was before. And you start to feel drugged down and driven down. But when God comes along and a person finds God, God finds them. And he gives you that new spirit. He gives you, Brother Bram said he gives you that new spirit for a reason. It's so that it, your new spirit will be able to agree with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So you've got this new spirit. You've got this new spirit that agrees with the Holy Ghost. 
But yet, you got these doubts and this confusion and you're still, you're still wondering, is there more? There's, it seems like there's still not something there. There's still something missing. Yeah. You know, there's this promise of the Holy Ghost and the young people will come to me and they'll be like, Brother Wes, you know, I've got a problem with this. I've got a problem with that. I'm like, good. That's good. You can repent of that. You're coming with the right attitude. You want to get rid of what's wrong. You know, most people, that, this is what's wrong with the religious world now. This is what Brother Brandon was talking about. You see all these people, these friends at work and everything. You know, I was talking to a young man who was witnessing to some brothers at work or some friends of his at work that aren't quite brothers. Uh, and they're real religious. I forget what they were. I think maybe they were Southern Baptists or something like that. And they wanted to argue doctrine. That's all they wanted. They didn't want to hear this boy's testimony. They didn't want to hear about how the Lord set him free. They didn't want to hear about how the Lord had put a call in his life to minister the gospel to lost souls out there. They, they wanted to hear what he believed about predestination because they wanted to set him straight. And, you know, I used to be there. A lot of us were. Even people who were raised in the message, a lot of us have been there. You go up, you want to be saved. You want to be baptized. You, want, you don't want to go to hell. You want to, you want to, and you get that new, that new spirit and you get that heart of flesh. And you're different. You feel different. And you start actually hearing what the preacher is saying instead of just letting it go over your head. You actually are paying attention. You're listening to the words. And you're, you're weighing them out. Here's the problem. Before you get the Holy Ghost, some other spirit can come along besides the Holy Ghost. And it's a religious spirit. It's a dangerous thing. And I've seen it over and over and over again. This religious spirit comes in. It was like I was. I would go on Monday nights and pray with men for two or three hours on my knees at the altar praying. We'd pray for each other. We'd go around. Each one of us would pray. And this would go on and on. Then on Tuesday night, we'd go out door to door, knocking on doors, asking people to receive the Lord as their Savior. You know, trying to convert people to Christianity. And it was very frustrating because a lot of people just slam a door in your face. It's, sorry, I'm busy. You know, come back some other time. Or, hey, we're, we already go to church. You know, thank you, bye. And they'd slam a door in your face. They already go to church. They're already a Christian, but they slam a door in your face. Something just seemed a little bit odd about that to me. Something didn't seem quite right. I could not grasp what would cause this, but what caused it was people who had received a new spirit and got a good dose of religion, but they didn't get the Holy Ghost. And that's what we see rampant in this message. That's what's wearing our kids out. It's wearing them out. It wears us out. We've got to get our strength back. We've got to buckle down a little bit and get our strength back. We've got to reach down. We've got to find that wisdom that God put in us when he gave us the Holy Ghost. And we've got to start talking to our young people. We've got to start talking to our kids and, and expressing you know, what God has done for us and how he's changed our lives. Because a lot of them really want the Holy Ghost, but they've not got a clue how to get it. They do not have a clue. They'll come up to me and they'll say, Brother Wes, I, re I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. And they'll cry. And they'll be so sincere, you know. I had a, I had a young sister one time, she asked me, we were uh, a bunch of, the, of my, kid, my family and we'd had a couple of guests there. And one of the guests said, Brother Wes, how do I know if I've got the Holy Ghost? Well, I wasn't ready to answer her at that time. Not as ready as I thought I was. I mean, think about it for a second. A young person looks you right in the eye and says, how do I know if I've got the Holy Ghost or not? That's a scary thing because what if you say the wrong thing? What if you lead them to a feeling or an experience that's not a word birth? You know, because Brother Brown said that 
you know, devils can talk in tongues. So, so what if you lead them to that? What if that's what you lead them to? What words do you give them? What do you say? You see, when the Holy Ghost comes in, Brother Branham compared it to a spring in a clock. And, you know, Ezekiel was talking about the wheel and the wheel. He said that outer wheel, that's your spirit. And that inner wheel, that's that main spring of that clock that God put in there. That's the Holy Ghost. And your new spirit helps you to agree with the Holy Ghost. And that's what leads you. And that's what leads you into the path of righteousness. That's what changes you. That's what makes everything different. And when you look to that experience, when that happens, you can look to that experience, that word birth, that time where God's life came into you and changed. And you can say, you know what? I was never the same after that. I was never, ever the same. From that day on, everything changed. Still make mistakes, still fall down every now and then, still have to fight battles. But yet there's something in there that's different than there ever was before. And the more I feed on the word, the stronger it gets. And the more understood, misunderstood you'll be the more misunderstood you'll be. And you know what the biggest problem with some of our young people is? is now hang with me on this, but it's legalism. Because we really try to get them to legalism before we get them to an experience with God. And you say, you say well, what do you mean? How do we get them to an experience? What am I supposed to do? See, God is a supernatural God. He's supernatural. That's, how, that's why I serve Him. That's why I believe in Him. That's why He's my everything. Because I know He's real. Now you look at a young person and you say that to them. You look them right in the eye and you say, I know He's real. I've experienced Him. I know the Lord Jesus. He has spoken to me. He is my friend. I know Him. And you can tell by the look they give you back where they stand. You don't have to be a prophet. You can just be a good mama, a good daddy, a good friend. And you can know because they'll look at you and it's a mix between confusion and hunger because Satan tries to confuse that more than anything else there is. He tries to confuse it. You know, um, Brother Branham said, uh, and as the eagle stirreth, he said, a man one time was trying to seek God and every time he'd say, I'm saved, the devil say, no, you're not. One day he drove down a stake. He said, Satan, from this on, I'll point to this stake. This is the place where I met God's requirements. I want you to take... This has been ringing in my heart for weeks now. And I cannot get away from this. I want you to think about what this is saying. I'll point to this stake. This is the place where I met God's requirements. It's not where I screamed at the altar. It's not where the presence of God rubbed up against me while I was in an energized service and I felt something, so I must have got the Holy Ghost. Okay? That's great. Scream. And I, was, I was in a service just a week before, uh, or Sunday a week ago, and the, the Spirit fell like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. I mean like nothing. Nobody was ashamed of the Lord Jesus. People were at the altar. People were running the aisles. Deacons, wives, people who don't normally... I preached there several times before. I've never seen this happen before. And it was in spite of me. I, I didn't preach anything great and glorious and special. It was because the presence of the Lord was waiting when I come out. I didn't even have to work to get out of the way like I am tonight. I, I, just, I just had to step out there. And God took over. And He spoke to their hearts. But here's the thing. I'll point to this stake... This is the place 
where I met God's requirements right here. You drive your stake down right beside of your seat this afternoon saying, Satan, right here is where every doubt is going to lay. And I'm going to fly away with him. This afternoon, I'm going to accept exactly what he told me I could do. If you'll believe that. Now, how many believers we got here? And that's good. I'm not going to count. Thank you. Here's the thing. Some of the make-believers raised their hands. And as a joke, maybe some of the unbelievers did. Or because their mom was watching. Or their wife or their husband. How are you supposed to believe it? How are you supposed to believe it? Brother Jim, you work in finances. People have to have a little confidence in you. You have to have some clients that they can call and check you out and see if you did good work for them or not, right? They have to have proof. People want proof. People need something they can see that is real. How do you tell a young person how to find something that's real? How do you make faith tangible? How do you make it to where they can grab it and get a hold of it? How do you actually introduce them to a God with skin on it? Besides just being a good example and walking in righteousness yourself, which that's one of the first biggest steps. But how do you get them to actually seek that experience for themselves? Because I'm telling you, this generation is not like generations before. They can smell flim flam a hundred miles away. And if a preacher has not got the goods, he can't, he can't get them to it. He, won't, he ain't got the guts to tell them the truth. He's not got the backbone to stand for the word. And he gets caught up in a pet doctrine. Or he gets caught up in kingdom building like Brother Donnie preaches about. And you get caught up in all these weird things that bring a reproach on the word and drive people away. There are going to be people who pay. They're going to face judgment because of the garbage that they have spewed across the pulpits. Because of the garbage, the untruth. They're not telling these kids the truth. They're not telling their congregations the truth. New converts, they don't know the truth because the preacher is too busy pushing his agenda, wanting them to get his revelation. And he hints around it until they finally get it. And then he pats them on the back, tells them how wonderful they are, and they look back to that. They drive the stake at the wrong place. You tell a young person, you say, so you want to you get the Holy Ghost. You want to know for sure you've got the Holy Ghost. Have you prayed and read your Bible? Sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they'll say, well, I need to do better. I, I could read my Bible more. I could. You know, and the sad fact is, most of the time it's laying in their desk with dust all over it. Hadn't been read. Looks brand new. The gold didn't wore off the pages. You show me a, a Christian with an experience, you're going to flip through that Bible, there's going to be some marks. There's going to be some notes. There's going to be some bookmarks. There's going to be some places. There's going to be some tear stains. There's going to be some times that you can see by the evidence where they've agonized with God. And they've poured their heart out and said, Lord Jesus, show me the answer. You're going to see that, but you don't see it in their Bibles because when you go to read a Bible and you've not had an experience, it's just a book. Yes, God can speak to you. But most of the time, it's got to come to a place where you have an experience with God. That's why the preaching of the gospel is so important. And that's why Satan wants to kill it so bad. My, my son was asking me, well, what's this deal about tape churches? You know, why do we have to talk about tape churches all the time and everything? Because the preaching of the word will save your soul. 
the true living word, Jesus Christ in word form being preached, will break that stony shell around your heart and give you a heart of flesh. And you'll get a new spirit, but you have to see it in action. You have to know that it's real. You have to experience it for yourself. I challenge young people all the time. I say, look, you don't have to go read six chapters a day. You don't have to even read one verse a day. You just have to pick it up as you're led. Just pick it up. Just read one verse. Come to church and sit down. Just come to church and sit down and pray before the service. And then watch. Now this is if you're seeking God. You've got to be seeking God. You've got to want it. You've got to have a desire. We'll get on that in a minute. But you just seek God. You just give Him a chance to reveal Himself to you. You know, if a stranger comes out and stands in my front yard and says, Hey, Wes, come outside. I want to look at you. He'll probably see a rifle barrel come out the window. And I'll ask a few questions before I step out there. That's what we do with God, though. Here I sit. I'm so special, God, that you've got to stop your whole program and prove something to me. He won't do that. He won't answer that attitude. He will not take you anywhere. He will not lead you anywhere. But if you'll humble yourself and say, Lord, they, te- they keep telling me. You know, I know Brother Wes... He might be a clown. He might be a goofball. But I know that he loves me. And I know that he, he's, he's trying to tell me the truth. And he, there's something. There's an earnest plea in his voice. I, I mean, there's got to be something. Either he's a big liar or he's had an experience with God. There's got to be something there. Well, you want to find out for yourself? Humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and pray. Come in before the service. Take five minutes of your time to see if God cares about you. Come in and pray before the service. And then just listen. And watch God step out when you use your manners a little bit. You show Him. You say, Lord, I, I understand that you're bigger than me. I understand that it's me that needs you, not the other way around. And, and see if He doesn't come out and unveil Himself from behind that man and show Himself to you and speak the very thoughts on your heart. The very thing you prayed before church. He will do it. You'll come to a place where you know the supernatural is absolutely real. Absolutely, without a doubt, real. There's no way that man can know what I was thinking, what I was talking about. There's, I love that when that happens. I absolutely love it when it happens. I was sitting right there, and I was praying, and the Lord brought back a story to my mind. That my, I used to go to my grandmother's house, and He brought back this story to my mind that I hadn't thought about since I was a little kid. I'd get off the bus and go sit with her and talk with her, and you know, she'd give me cookies and <laughs> all that stuff that grandmothers do. And she told me a story one time that when she was a little girl, I told the youth this, so y'all just have to bear with it for another minute. There was a rope between her house and the barn because the blizzards were so bad in Colorado where she was at, and it was her job in the family to milk the cows in the morning and in the evening. And if a blizzard was exceptionally bad, you could die between the house and the barn. You could actually get lost. They found people dead between the house and the barn that just lost their way in the blinding storm and froze to death. So they had a rope they would put between the house and the barn. And he said, he told my grandfather, great-grandfather told my grandmother, he said, you hold on to that rope. And he said, don't you let go of that rope no matter what. He said, if you let go of that rope, you'll be dead. No matter what happens, don't you let go of that rope. 
She said one morning she got up, got her pail, went out the door, got the rope, and started up through the field. A big gust of wind hit, and it jerked that bucket right out of her hand. She loosened her fingers and started to go away from the bucket to grab, or go away from the rope to grab the bucket. And then the voice of her father came into her mind, said, "You will die if you let go of that rope." And she quickly grabbed a hold of it again, made her way back to the house, and got another bucket. That bucket could be replaced. Now, she knew because she had an experience that. Her father's words were true. Just like Nathaniel found out. When Philip went to find Nathaniel and he brought him to see Jesus, Nathaniel was a jokester. He was thinking, any good thing come out of Nazareth? He walks down there to meet Jesus. And when he approaches Jesus, Jesus goes, Oh, Nathaniel, an Israelite indeed, a man of little gall. Jesus was joking back. He's like, go ahead and make fun of me behind my back. And he goes, where do I know you from? And Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel fell to his face on the ground and worshiped the Lord. Because he knew nobody knew he was under that fig tree. That was his place. I tell this story all the time because it's the first time the word of God spoke to me. I said the same words to God. And then the very next day I opened my Bible at random and I looked down and the word came alive and I saw that story I'd never even, to my memory, known that before. God will reveal himself little by little. He'll show you that he is real. He, he will show you. If you only have a new spirit, if you only get to the point where you have the new spirit, it can fool you. Because you can be halfway in and halfway out. You don't have a hold of what Brother Donnie's been preaching, the absolute. You don't have a hold of something that you know is the truth, you can be led astray. My grandmother couldn't be led astray because she knew that her father would not lie to her. But how do you know, young people, how do you know that God won't lie to you? How do you know? If you've not experienced it, how could you know? Stop apologizing for a question. There's an answer if there's a question. I'm telling you, I'm giving you an absolute how-to. Step-by-step how-to. Read your Bible a little bit, not out of a legalistic point of view, but just read it a little bit. Come in here, sit down and pray. Talk to God about your troubles, about the people that, that you want to bless, about the people who are sick. Talk to Him about whatever's going on in your life. Ask Him for answers for what you've got questions to. And then watch a man of God walk out and answer those questions. Will it happen the very first time, Brother West? I don't know. I don't know. But it'll happen. I'll stake my life on it that it'll happen. If you come with the right attitude, seeking God, I guarantee you, because His Word said, if you seek me, you will find me. I promise you, and when you have an experience, a word birth, you've got the new spirit, and now His Spirit comes into that. And it's the driving force, like the, like the spring of a clock, and it turns. And all the gears are, are, are with it. The Holy Ghost cannot come in if you don't have a new spirit. Some of you need to ask God for a new spirit first because the Holy Ghost cannot come in. That mainspring, you shove it in there and all the gears are clogged up. How's it going to move? How's it going to work? How's it going to do anything? If you don't agree with what the Holy Ghost says from inside of you, you're going to explode. 
The pressure of that spring is too much. It can't work. You can't have eternal life without a new spirit. Because your first spirit's like an animal spirit almost. It's just the flesh. It's just the spirit that you had in the flesh. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to get a new spirit. One that says, Amen. 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 It might hurt. It might step on things I like, but amen anyway. You come to that point, then you can come and receive the Holy Ghost. You can't come up here with a lying spirit and say, Brother Wes, I want the Holy Ghost. And you got a lying spirit on you? You got to get rid of the lying spirit first. You can't come up here with a selfish spirit and say, Brother Wes, I want the Holy Ghost. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. I don't know. I'll pray for you. Be like laying my hand on that banister right there. I'll pray though, but I'll change it a little that you, that you don't know about. And I'll say, Lord, you know what they need. Bend them, break them, do whatever you got to do. Get them to a new birth. Give them that new, new spirit, Lord. Give them that new spirit so that they'll know. So that they'll know there's something there. So that they can come in contact with your Holy Ghost. Do you think that the Holy Ghost is going to come and He's going to hug up to you and He's going to romance you and He's going to say sweet nothings in your ear and give you deep revelations when you won't even get rid of that lying spirit that you've got? You're a thief, you're a fornicator, you're a liar, you're an idolater, whatever you are, you think that He's going to give that to you? You got a tongue that punch a hole through that window right there? You think he's gonna? You think that he's gonna hug up to you and give you a sweet revelation of his presence and his glorious kindness and sacrifice? Do you think he's gonna let you experience his life? Look at Simon. Think about Simon a minute, the sorcerer. He was watching all this wonderful stuff. He went to youth camp, and he was watching it all happen. He's like, "My goodness, look at all those kids at the altar! My goodness, they're all screaming and running and jumping. There's demons being cast out." Oh my goodness. There's testimonies galore. It's all this wonderful stuff that's happening. I want to get in on that. I want, I want them kids to love me like they love Brother Tim. Uh, come on. All right. You know, I, I need to feel good too. I want them to love me like they love Brother Tim. I want, I want them to give me money like they give Brother Tim. They passed around a big bucket and they're all throwing money in that thing at camp. Boy, that looks pretty good. Simon was not stupid. He's just wrong and evil. He's just trying to survive, maybe. But he was wrong. See, you got to think back. Let's go back. Let's go back to Genesis for just a second. Get something fresh off the tree here. Oh, my glasses. <laughs> All right. Genesis 3.23, I think, yeah, 3.23, 22, let's go to 22, 3.22, and the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore God, the Lord God, sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden 
cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You can't get the Holy Ghost until you got a new spirit. Adam could not get eternal life in the condition he was in, in the fallen condition he was in. He could not get eternal life. You cannot come up here with all your sin still on you and ask me or Brother Donnie or any other man of God to lay hands on you and pray for you to get the Holy Ghost. All we can do is pray that you, your eyes will be opened and that you'll find the revelation you need that will lead you to the Holy Ghost. That's all we can do. Because you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll probably keep saying it till the day I die. The lie you tell yourself is the one that's going to take you to hell. You get that new spirit, go into the Catholic Church, they accept you with great love. They bring you in, they're really nice to you, they put you to work. They get your grandma out of purgatory for $1,000. You know, no more demons pecking at her eyes, she's out. You want granddaddy out, it'll be $100,000. He was, he was a lot meaner. They get, a, they, get a, they get a religious spirit instead of the Holy Ghost. But they know they were changed. Well, I don't, I don't want to drink no more. I don't want to gamble no more. I don't want to beat my wife. I don't want to, you know, carouse, whatever people, you know, people do. I don't want to do none of that. And I'm, I'm brand new. I got a new spirit. And then they pick up a religious spirit and they're just as doomed, maybe more doomed than they were to begin with. Am I preaching this to teach you something? No, I'm not. I'm preaching this because God put it on my heart because our young people are in bondage. Some of them are desperate for the Holy Ghost. They're desperate. They got that new spirit that makes them uncomfortable in their own skin. They're under such conviction. And when a man of God comes out and he preaches with authority and conviction, they just can't take it very long. Something's got to break. They either got to hit the door or hit the altar. They got to repent and make it right and take hold of life or they go out the door and they leave and they reject it because they don't know what to do. And they think it's the man of God's fault. Look at Paul. He gave up his life. He would go out and he would preach and there'd be Pharisees and Greeks. There'd be Jews and Gentiles. There'd be, you know, a few humble believers there. And he would preach the truth no matter who was there. It didn't matter. I had a brother ask me one time, you know, I, I, they've asked me to preach at a Baptist uh, uh, church, you know, should I go? I was like, yeah, I did it. Worked out great. <laughs> Worked out wonderful. He said, should I, should I preach down where they will understand it? I said, no. Preach the revelation that God gave you that he called you to. That's the only thing. I mean, there might only be one eagle in the whole bunch, but... At least they'll get, you'll get that one. You know? And it's the same with us. You can't debate them. Paul told Timothy not to debate them and all that stuff. Just live. Live in front of them. But you, you can't do that with just a new spirit. You've got to have the Holy Ghost too. Brother Brandon was so, he was so authoritative about this. He made it so strong. He just made it so strong. He, he just wanted everybody to understand. And, and, you know, Brother Branham was like Paul. 
The worst thing that ever happened to Brother Branham was not the, it was not the loss of his wife and daughter. That was not the worst thing that happened to Brother Branham. That was a terrible circumstance. That was a bad thing. What, the worst thing that happened to Brother Branham was when he lost his love for the people. Because being an honest man and a prophet of God, he knew that if you lose your love for the people, you're not going to tell them everything. You're going to be tempted to not tell them the truth or not tell them the whole truth. You're going to be tempted to pet them on the head and say, well, I guess it'll be okay. Just don't leave. Just don't, just don't go out. But he had an attitude of, I've got to get myself straightened out. I've got to get my heart right. I've got to have a love. If my love for the people is dying, I've got to get it fixed. I can't go on like this. Because he only wanted to bring the truth. He was a humble, sweet man who prayed for people. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony where the man sacrificed his time and his strength, his sleep and everything else to go and pray for people. And I've also heard him time and time again say, now I don't take up offerings at my meetings. Why did he do it? He'd go to places he was invited and they'd, they'd give him money. Sometimes people would mail him money, I'm sure, but he didn't take up offerings like that back in the 50s until the people were up to a level where they understood how all that worked. So let me ask you something. This humble, meek man who loved the people and didn't rob them, what did he get out of it? When the testimonies are not out of his mouth, but out of all the people around him, it's out of their mouths. People that stood up and said, look, I'm healed. I was in a wheelchair and now I'm healed. You know? But see, the thing is, it all went back to the Word. He had sold out. Brother Branham was a Word prophet. He was sold out to the Word and he told the truth. And he was hated for it. Just like Paul. They would have killed him too. The devil would have tried to kill him, you know, a martyr's death too if he could have. When his time came, he went. God has everything under control though. He knew that it would, it, would, it would upset the apple cart. Don't think God didn't know that. Don't think when, when people started nitpicking and calling predictions prophecies, don't think that God got upset by that. The unbelievers have got to find something to justify their unbelief because they are unwilling unwilling to humble themselves and bow their knee to God. They're totally unwilling to do it. So they, they go to the colleges, they go to the, to the intelligence of man, which the Bible says is the babbling of a baby to God. And they seek what they call truth and freedom. But one day, I promise you one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't care what they say now. I only feel sorry for them. I never, never fight them, never debate them anymore. I just feel sorry for them. In 1 Chronicles 28, 9, I want to read here what Solomon's instructions that he received were. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth, searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. I always make that promise to young people. If you will seek him, if you'll search and seek for the Holy Ghost, if you'll pray 
and go to God and ask Him. And I always stop right there. But you know, there's a little bit more in this verse. Let me back up a little bit there. The Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek Him, He will be found of thee. But if thou forsake Him, He will cast thee off forever. The scoffers will laugh at me saying this. They don't care. They're not afraid. They don't have the fear of God because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. They don't have any wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. He's the fountain of wisdom. He's the only source of wisdom. They have intellect. They have intellect. Their brain cannot stretch out further than their forehead. It can't. I don't care what they do or say. I think that's one reason they've been trying for years to, to prove that they could move things with their mind and stuff like that and all this other stuff. I think that they would like to say, think that they are a little bit bigger than they are, a little bit more powerful than they actually are. But all they are is a bag of bones. That's all they are. And their thoughts are going to die with them. Their thoughts are going to die with them. And this is a scary thing. You know, like Brother West, are you trying to scare them? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I fear God. Believe me, I fear God. I do lots of things because I fear God. I'm not going to chew gum in church because I, I was told not to by God's prophet. I think that's a pretty good reason not to chew gum in church. I think that's a pretty respectful thing to do. I think when I come through those doors, I ought to just repent of everything that I can possibly think of and ask God to put the rest under the blood that I don't know about. I think I need to come in here for Him, not for me. Not to be seen so that, you know, Brother Rob will think, well, Brother Wes is backsliding. He didn't hear. But that's not the reason I come. I want to come because I love Jesus. I want to tell him I love him. I want to come here and serve him, don't you? Isn't that why you're here on a Wednesday night when it's rainy and gloomy? You could have sat on the couch and ate some hot soup. <clears throat> you could have. I mean, sat right there and streamed it all by yourself and your new spirit. He loves us so much. He loves these, you know, these young people, these unbelievers that are out there in the world that need to hear the word. He loves them so much. He's not willing that anybody should perish. He wants all to come to him. But you can't come to the God of this universe and not humble yourself at some point. Sometimes in your arrogance and pride, he'll have mercy on a person and he'll put somebody in their path that lets them, lets them witness Jesus for the first time. It might just take a little bit of the edge off their, off their pride. And get them to the point where maybe they'll come and give God a chance in their mind. And then God says, okay, if you're willing to come that far, I'll bless you. But he won't do it till somebody humbles themselves. I wish I could tell you. Because most of the time, it's not, it's not discernment. It's just... It's just you sizing up the situation and knowing the background and knowing what's going on and knowing where this person's at and knowing what a person who's really broken in repentance looks like and acts like. And they'll come to the altar and they'll say, Brother Wes, I want the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. And you, you, sometimes you feel like just grabbing them by the shoulders and say, have you repented of that lying spirit? Everybody knows you're a liar. You're the only one that's being fooled by your lies. Everybody knows when you're doing it. Can you not just be honest before God one time and repent and say, get this thing off of me. 
Help me, Lord. So help me to repent. Esau sought repentance with tears and couldn't find it. Because he didn't have the right motive. He didn't care. He didn't care. He didn't really care. He just didn't want to go to hell. Didn't want God mad at him. But it didn't mean enough to him. He sold his birthright. You can't, just like Simon the sorcerer, you can't eat of the tree of life. In this sinful body, you've got, to, you've got to break free from it and get your new spirit. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. It's, it's imperative. I, I don't know how to make this plea anymore. I, I, just, I don't know how to make this plea uh, any stronger than I have. Um, let me put it this way. He said, Brother Wes, all right, you said pray. Come in here and pray before the service. I've done that. You know, maybe I'm not praying right. Can you tell me how to pray? No. You just talk to God. Be honest with Him. Just be honest. And, it's, and it just gets more and more honest the more you pray to Him, the more honest it gets. You sit in here before the service and just pray to Him. Just say, Lord, help me. I'm just, I'm so muddled up. I don't know what I need, but you know. I throw myself at your mercy. Take me, Lord, and do something with me. Help me. You come humbly like that before God and He'll help you. He'll show you, okay, listen, my son, my daughter, you've got this spirit on you. Satan knows it. You know it if you're honest with yourself. And whether you think you're fooling everybody or not, everybody else knows it too. Everybody knows who you are. They might not say it to your face, but they say it behind your back. They can see what you do. You can't hide from God. You can't. And when God reveals that, you come and repent. Say, Lord, take this thing from me. I met your requirement. I want this spirit off of me that's not lining up with my new spirit that you gave me when you broke my stony heart. I want to line up with you. I want to be led of the Holy Ghost, not some religious spirit. I want what's real. I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired of putting goody-goody posts on this social media and then going with my friends from high school or college or whatever and talking like an evil, maniacal monster behind what I think the church knows about. I'm tired of living a dual life, a lying life. I want to be free. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. David gave Solomon some good advice. Seek the Lord in your youth. Hezekiah gave really good advice. He said, I want to make you look at your old self and loathe it. You're going to look back at yourself, Brother Rob, and you're going to say, what was I thinking when I was 24? I already do. Amen. <laughs> I got an amen from somebody. <laughs> He's going to do that. And you're going to loathe yourself. But you know what that does? That makes you so humble before God. And you say, Lord, I missed the bullet, didn't I? And he goes, yeah, you did. Wes, when you were knocking on those doors, doing God a favor, trying to win souls in the Baptist church, you were blind. You were blind and lost. Brother so-and-so, when you were preaching that doctrine, that pet doctrine and building you a kingdom of followers around this message, you were blind. Why don't you, why don't you try to take hold of Jesus for a change? Why don't you humble yourself and pray and say, Lord, if my eyes are blind, can you show me? I refuse to debate anymore. I want to seek you. You seek him, you'll find him. You reject him, 
You got torment waiting. There, hellfire and brimstone. That's what's hidden. That's what's coming. Brother West, that's, that's what, I'm sorry, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Now, I'm going, I'm going to tell you something God showed me about prayer. It may help you in this situation. It may not. There's many among us that have they've been suffering. Where a lot of us have been in fear over COVID, over the world situation, a lot of things. You find yourself obsessing on it, watching more news stories than you do sermons. Spending your time, you know, watching Fox instead of praying and worrying and getting fear built up in you and getting anxiety built up in you. And there's just a cloud over your life. That's not to be ashamed of, but you can be free of it. You can absolutely be free of it. Because we are children of faith. We are grafted into to the lineage of Abraham. We are children of faith. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Amen. We are faith-oriented. It's our core. It's who we are. If we have the Holy Ghost, it's who we are. Amen. We live by faith. Amen. You know, the Scripture says that the double-minded man think not that he get anything from God. Right. He don't need to think he's getting anything from God. A double-minded man is a man who has a new spirit but doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Identified. That's what it means. It don't mean I'm standing here going, well, I don't know if this is right or that's right. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean, well, I'm having trouble figuring out this doctrine. I'm asking God to show me. Am I double-minded because I don't know how to, how to receive or reject this? I no. Double-minded is totally different. It's totally different. You've got that new spirit. You just don't know what to do with it because it's not being led. You're doing the wrong things. You're doing what sounds good to man and not what sounds good to God. Amen. You're not lining up. You're going down two tracks at the same time and you're being ripped apart. That's why you're double-minded. When you get the mind of Christ and you have a new spirit that amens the, 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 the Holy Ghost, you're set. Yeah, you'll make mistakes sometimes, but I mean, you're set. You're not going, you're not turning back. So when you approach God in prayer, I'm going to give you an exercise. Now, all you theologians are going to have to forgive me because God uses me in an embarrassingly simple way sometimes, but I'm not embarrassed anymore. It's only embarrassing to them because they think that I'm not deep. But I want to tell you how to get a hold of God. If you'll just listen, it's so simple. Because it all depends on God, not you. That's really easy, isn't it? What if I came up to you, Brother Fred, and I said, I got a million dollars. I'm going to give it to you. You'd ask me, well, what, what did I do? What do I need to do? I'm just going to give it to you. You don't have to do a thing. You'd be pretty happy, probably. You'd have to probably give it all away the first day, <laughs> knowing you. But that's how, that's how receiving faith to see prayer answered is. Now, I'm going, I'm going to tell you, this is so simple. I've got a spot in my house. I agonized over some troubles and some things I'd been facing for quite some time. Didn't know how to deal with it. I was banging my head against the wall. I was beating myself to death. I would pray and pray and pray and pick it up and pick it up and pick it up. And, and this just stopped recently. And this is what God showed me. I came to a spot in my kitchen 
I put one hand on a table and one hand on a countertop. And I said, Lord, I'm so sick of being misunderstood. I'm so tired of giving every bit of my love towards this situation and getting spit in the face for it and being mistreated for it and being misunderstood and hated when I'm trying with all my heart to honor you and it's just driving me down. I'm not even acting like myself. I'm not even who I used to be. I'm just putting on a front, God. I'm not the man I was. I'm so, I'm so distraught. And these words came to me. I don't know how this works, but it just came to me. He said, where are you standing? And I took a deep breath because I thought, okay, God's here. The presence of God's here. He does hear me. How am I supposed to respond? And I stood there and the words came to me again. Where are you standing? And I said, do I need to take off my shoes, Lord? Am I on holy ground? What's the deal? They're in my kitchen, in my kitchen holy ground. I was, I was almost laughing. You know, like Sarah, I was just almost like, what? And he said, drive a stake and leave and go to bed. And whenever you doubt it, whenever Satan comes back, whenever he starts to bother you, come right back to this spot. Put your hand on that table. Put your hand on that counter. And remind the devil that he's not got a prayer, but you do. He's not got a prayer. There is no prayer that pulls you out of the depths and the pit of hell. There is no prayer that will pull you out of there once you have crossed the line of life and death. There's nothing that can pull you out if that's your destination. He's not got a prayer. His, his, his fate is sealed. But you, yours isn't. Find you a spot. You've got a serious prayer request, something that really got you, something that really hit you in the heart. Something that really affected you when you heard it. And you know that God's put this burden on you. You go find you a spot. And you lay it in God's hands and you trust Him. You walk away, it might be one second and you have to go right back. Okay, Lord. I'm going to make it out of this room, I promise. <laughs> it's yours. I'm not taking it up again. Every time the devil will bombard you with worry and fear and stress and what if, what if, what if... That's his favorite sermon. <clears throat> That's his favorite sermon. Well, what if you say in faith that you're healed and you got to go take more pills? You got to go do this. They got to go do that. You gotta, what if, what if, what if? He'll wear you out. I told a brother the other day, I said, for every one truth that God tells you, Satan's going to tell you a thousand lies. God hates a lying spirit. He hates it. I don't know why. He hates that. That's what the devil represents, is a lying spirit. He just lies and lies. He's the father of lies. He just lies and lies and lies. And that has so much power because we let it have power over us. You've got to go back to that spot and say, you know, Lord, I'm scared to death. But I'm trusting you. The devil's put, trying to put fear on me, but I'm going to trust you anyway. And when I get overwhelmed, I'm coming right back here to this bush. Just like Moses did. Every time he was about to quit, I bet his mind went back to that bush. I've been called. I've been called. You know, like Brother Donnie was saying, it wasn't Mama 
that called him to be the deliverer is God. He thought his life was over. He was an old man out in the desert. But there was a burning bush. We've got to be people of faith. We've got to quit laying down for the devil. We've got to stop. As individuals, we've got to stop being that way. We've got to stop listening to liars. If you're looking for something wrong with anything, you'll find it. But I'll tell you what, the man I, I hear preach on the tapes, the man I've heard testimonies about, was not a fraud. He served God. One of the greatest things I ever heard about him was that if he had an enemy, he could be right with him, and you would never know him from his best friend. You would never hear it from his lips that they had ever done a thing. I thought, Lord God, I want to be like that. How do I get there, Lord? Help me get there. Put me on this road of faith and get me there. When you get down before God and hold His Word and say, O oh, great, infinite, eternal, almighty Jehovah God, who sent this Word and it was made flesh and dwelt among us, are you the same? This is Brother Bram telling you how to pray. You tell him who he's supposed to be and then you say, are you still the same? Is that who you are, God? That scares me. It scares me reading this quote. It scares me. Listen to what he says about it. Have you lost your power? Whew. When I was 17, I went to the top of our own mountain and I yelled at God for about 30 minutes and he didn't say a word. He just laughed. Grace. Have you lost your power? Look at it that. Look at it that one time like that on your knees. You'll find out that the Holy Spirit will answer you back. That he's just the same today as, ha as he ever was. But you must look at it right. On your knees. Reverent. These mockers and scoffers. Their eyes will not be opened. God will not speak to them. You must be reverent before God. You truly want to know? Who's going to know besides your pride that you're bowing your knee to God? That you're making yourself reverent before Him? Who's going to know? Maybe you're the bigger, biggest scoffer there ever was. Maybe you eat everybody, all the preachers up and everybody else on, your, on your, your pathetic little cowardly website. But get down on your knees reverently before God and say, okay, God, what is the truth? promise you there'll be a testimony if you can actually be reverent and respectful to God because he will not leave you in an untruth if you humbly and sincerely want to know the truth he will not do it he couldn't judge you if he did where's your place everybody thought of it didn't they Nathaniel musicians you can come Nathaniel he had a fig tree. It's my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible because that's how God showed me he was real. Showed me his word was alive. He showed me for the first time it wasn't just a book of rules. It wasn't just a, you know, me hoping and imagining a relationship with a higher power, but it was a living God who cared about me, who saw me, who heard me when I prayed at night, looking up into the stars and said, Did you even, do you even see me, Lord? 
When I read that story, he said, I saw you, Wes. I saw you. He will come to you if you'll humble yourself. He will cleanse you of wickedness and evil spirits if you'll admit it and repent and pray. You can drive down a stake tonight and know that you've received the Lord Jesus into your life and you can ask Him for the Holy Ghost. You can do that. And anytime you start to doubt, you can go back to that stake and you can make it your spot where you know that God moved for you. Look back to this knot. You can do that. I don't want you to be without excuse and face the judgment of a wrathful God. Amen. I don't want you there. God doesn't want you there. He really loves you. And He's got something better for you. But you've got to lay it down. You've got to lay it down. You can't just get the new spirit. You've got to get the Holy Ghost too. The wheel within the wheel. You've got to get it. You've got to have that mainspring powering the movement of your heart and of your life. You've got to have it. Amen. And you've got to be desperate for it. You've got to not give up till you've got it. Amen. You say, well, Brother Wes, I, I've always had a desire for the Holy Ghost, but I just haven't got it yet. I just don't know if, if, if it's for me. We'll close with this, Brother Harry. Do you think they'll listen? Let's pray that they listen, okay? Let's pray that they listen. You said you had a desire to get the Holy Ghost. You said you had a desire to get the Holy Ghost, but you just don't know if it's for you. Do you think it was Satan that put that thought in your heart? Do you think it was Satan that said, you need to get the Holy Ghost? Brother, you need to get the Holy Ghost. Do you think it was Satan that put that there? Think about it a second. Come on, wake up. Was it Satan that did that? Or was it the God of the universe, God of, of everything, who loved you and saw you and looks down at you and you're, no, you're, you're, you're nothing? To, that, to the Satan, you're just another flea on this giant planet of sand. But to God, you're one of those grains of sand that was in the promise of Abraham. You're not just a, a piece of dirt or a flea. You're a part of a promise. And you can claim it. And if, if it wasn't Satan that put the desire in your heart to have the Holy Ghost, who was it? You just, had to, you just had the caboose in the front, that's all. You can't get the Holy Ghost, you can't eat of the tree of life until you've gotten the new spirit. So repent and get the new spirit. Get the train in right order and then get the Holy Ghost. And you'll never be the same again. I hope you hear my plea. I hope you hear God's plea even more. Do you all love the Lord? Yes. Do you want something better in this world? The army, the army is really good at showing you and making you feel ashamed of your life so that you'll grab hold of what they're selling and you'll join the army. That's not so bad. We need soldiers. That's great. But God through love shows you what kind of a mess your life's in so that you can get it straightened out. That is love. He loves you. He wants you to be part of this kingdom. Not Satan's. Not just some washed up lost person in Satan's Eden. He wants you to step into this kingdom. Do y'all love the Lord? Amen. Let's say it a little louder then. Come on. Amen. Come on, let's say it. Do you love the Lord?
Has He saved your life? Has He saved your soul? Has He given you an eternal life in heaven over, over all this other stuff? Has He done it? Let's act like it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, the Scripture says, if you be lifted up, you draw all men to you. Lord, I want to lift you as high as, as high as I can, as high as I can understand how to, and then I want to push you a little further past that. I want you up to where everybody can lay their eyes upon you and say, this is the God of heaven and earth, and He sees me, just like Nathaniel did. He fell on his face because he knew that God was God and yet he still saw someone like him hiding under a fig tree praying. He sees us too. He sees us too. That's, that's, that's beyond anything I can understand. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this night. Lord, I, I hope that your word will just take root. That it will start brewing in the heart, just tumbling around in the heart. Lord, of the ones who need it and that it'll do the work that it was sent out to do. I believe it with all my heart. I'm driving a stake right now and I know, I know, Lord, that your word does not return void because you are the truth. And it, your truth has been spoken here. And Lord, it might not have been real complicated, but I wanted it to where even a six-year-old could understand it if they wanted to. I wish I could get to that level. That's where I want to go with it. Lord, I know you love us. The devil's not going to make me doubt that. He's not going to make me doubt it for a second. You said that if a child asked for bread, you wouldn't give them a stone. How can somebody have the desire without you being behind it to ask for the Holy Ghost, to ask for repentance, to ask to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? How could, how could you turn that back when somebody is staking everything on you in the work of Calvary? You can't. You've already told us you wouldn't. And you also told us if you started to work, you wouldn't quit until it was finished. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this night. I ask, Lord, that, that you just work on the hearts of the believers and the unbelievers alike. And help us. Just draw us close and help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. on there the goodness of God I love you Lord for your mercy never fails me all my day I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I of the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so 
of God I love your voice You have led me through the darkness In darkest night You were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so obeying the Lord tonight. Amen. See what he had to say. We had a card that came to us just a, a little bit late tonight. Just wanted to share with you. It's just a thank you card. Just I wish I could words could express just how blessed I was by all of y'all's prayers, cards, flowers, and the, and the gifts while I was sick. The verses in each one of these cards was encouragement and strength to me every time I read one. Thank God for his healing blessings with love, Sister Lois Brown. We're sure thankful that the Lord touched her and has her back in, in the house of worship with us tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's just sing this, um, uh, Lord Send the Rain. What, what key do we sing that in? Do you know? Gee, I've got it here. 
B flat. Let's just sing this before we go. Let the fire fall is actually the title of it. What's the first words? Lord, we are the ones called by your name. We humble ourselves now as we pray. Renouncing every sin and wicked
sing that, I'm so glad he found me. Is that G? I'm so glad he found me. Put that verse up there for us. I was on the mountain Wandering from the fountain
darkness And I could not find my way But Jesus shined a light on me Thank you.